listening to Bible Study Wednesday. It's Law and Gospel. I'm Pastor Tom Baker. And for a number of Wednesdays, we've been looking at the book of Proverbs, where Solomon speaks about wisdom. Uh, We've gone through a number of chapters. But I thought today it would be a good idea to really talk about the difference Proverbs has from other books that are written at the time of Solomon in other cultures. Now, they also talk about wisdom. So we're going to talk about wisdom as it's understood from the book of Proverbs. Uh, First of all, in most cultures, wisdom is divine. That means in unbeliever cultures where they have idols, wisdom is revealed by their gods. In Israel, it's revealed by the one true God through authorities, such as head of the family or the king. Now, this is really important to remember from a law and gospel point of view, that there is a wisdom that comes from man, and we're seeing it particularly in the United States these days, where they just regard the Bible as old-fashioned, and they have new ways of thinking of how to live. And of course, many of them are sinful. And, And so wisdom that comes from man is not what the Bible is talking about. Now, wisdom also in Proverbs does not address society as a whole in order to transform it. Now, some of Israel's prophets often did, but wisdom addresses you as an individual, and you will then have an effect on society when you understand wisdom. Wisdom often addresses practical knowledge instead of theoretical knowledge. That means it emphasizes what to do and how to do it, what the consequences will be. Taken as a whole, you take a look at Proverbs and the instructions are quite distinctive. They are less specific than you find in Egyptian and Mesopotamian prototypes of wisdom. Instead, Proverbs urges the reader to seek wisdom rather than to do or not to do a particular action. In in other way, way of looking at it, Proverbs emphasizes character rather than acts. Now, what does that mean? Well, it means that when, let's say you're a child in a family, and you're told what you need to do. You have to be home at a certain time, you go to bed at a certain time, uh, you dress in certain ways, you get ready for church, etc. That Those are commands of the parents. But from a wisdom point of view, the parents will then explain to you why to do those acts. And you begin to understand wisdom as helping you have a proper character. 
than just doing those acts. Uh, a lot of people can do acts. If, if you take a look at the Old Testament, you know, God demanded sacrifices, and many Israelites went into Babylonian captivity not because they weren't doing sacrifices, not because they weren't attending worship, but because they were unbelievers. They had a totally different view, thinking the sacrifices were actually paying for their sins, when in reality they were meant to point forward to Jesus, who would be the one who would pay for their sins. And, and so they did not understand that the acts they were to do had a purpose from God's point of view. In Proverbs, wisdom, first and foremost, is an attribute of God. All true wisdom is godly wisdom. And any wisdom that people possess is a result of his gift of wisdom. Rarely does Proverbs make explicit statements about God's wisdom. Instead, it assumes that God is all-wise and that the person who wants wisdom needs to receive it from God. Perhaps the clearest statement on wisdom as God's possession is found in chapter 3, verse 19. Yahweh founded the earth by wisdom. He established the heavens by understanding. And when you get into the book of Proverbs, it's not long before you realize that the word wisdom is referring to Jesus Christ. And understanding refers to how God thinks. Uh, for example, Nobody jumps out of a third-story window thinking, well, if I have enough faith, I'll be able to fly. No, they're going to fall to the ground because of gravity. So there's a scientific wisdom where you learn how God put the world together, and, and therefore you follow that rather than your own concoctions. On the other hand, in the area, let's say, of authority and of telling you how to live. God's wisdom is understanding why you should live that way. Only when the reader can understand that wisdom is God's alone and that real human wisdom is a gift of God do the instructions of the book of Proverbs begin to make sense. So, we often run across the phrase, the fear of Yahweh, the fear of God. What is that? According to chapter 1, verse 7, it's the beginning of knowledge. It's the beginning of wisdom in chapter 9, verse 10. And knowledge of how God thinks is referred to as understanding. In fact, a lot of times the word instruction can be translated as discipline, and that leads to wisdom. Why do parents have all kinds of rules and do all kinds of things in the house? 
Uh, we remember that when you get a child, uh, you often put covers over all the electrical outlets so that the child will not put his finger in those holes, etc. So that is referring to the wisdom of parents given to them by God and divine wisdom would help the child to learn that the parent really loves them. There's no cleverness. There's no advice on the part of man that can stand up against the wisdom of God. In fact, wisdom is more than just an attribute that describes God. Wisdom first is personified. And you'll be surprised that it's personified as a woman who invites those to hear her to partake of God's gift of wisdom. Now, why does God use the choice of a female to portray wisdom? Well, it's really due to the grammatical gender of the Hebrew word for wisdom. It's in the feminine. Various nouns, such as in German and other languages, can be male, female, or neuter. The word wisdom is in the feminine. So every time it's spoken of, the words she and her are found. Yet the choice of a woman is more than simple adopting grammar as a guide. A a number of times in Proverbs 1 to 9, Solomon addresses his son. And lady wisdom is intended to present an image of wisdom that is attracted to the son and that counters the attraction of the foolish world and its sinful ways with foolish wisdom. And that's why wisdom is contrasted to another woman referred to as foolishness. You really see that in the final sections of the opening of Proverbs of chapters 1 to 9. And it's designed to leave a lasting impression on the sun of the value of divine wisdom that God freely offers to all. For example, there's that section where women on the street will look at a man and say, yeah, you come and sleep with me because I need money to pay for sacrifices to the priest. Now, that sounds like that's something that a man can do to help pay for sacrifices, except for two items. Number one, she's really not going to use that money to pay for sacrifices. It's just a way of manipulating the man. And second of all, the Bible declares that such women are not permitted to give sacrifices because of the way that they are living. And the priests will not accept those sacrifices. But that's a good idea of how foolishness that particular woman is one that shows that 
the value of divine wisdom from God is far more superior. Another implicit contrast to personified wisdom is, of course, what we've been talking about, the adulteress. Solomon pursues a strategy of commending wisdom by a positive link between wisdom and a wife, in contrast to the negative link between the adulteress and foolishness. Solomon uses the law, and that's, you know, the commandment, thou shalt not commit adultery, fornication, etc. He uses the law to condemn the foolish son who strays from God's ways with these women. At the same time, though, he uses the gospel in the form of wisdom to proclaim God's benefits, conferring God's favor, and bestowing life. In the book of Proverbs, dealing with the figure of wisdom, there are two passages that stand out. They go beyond a mere personification of God and divine attribute. In chapter 3, verse 13, wisdom is introduced and her value is extolled. In chapter 3, verse 19, wisdom is explicitly connected to God's creative acts, making wisdom an active participant in creation. Now, what does that remind you of? That reminds you of the gospel according to John. Solomon portrays the eternal second person of the Trinity, Jesus Christ, that all things were made through him. And that's not only in John 1, verse 3, but in Colossians 1, verse 16, Hebrews 1, verse 2. In fact, Jesus Christ is called the Word of God in a number of passages. And that recalls the words God spoke to cause a creation in Genesis 1. Remember? And God said, let there be light. Well, that was the second person of the Trinity creating light. So this is more than wisdom being personified. That is, we are shown the unique person of God the Son who shares the same divine essence as the Father and the Spirit. The one triune God created all things and is the bestower of all good benefits through the gospel. Wisdom is the one by whom real rulers rule. They grant riches and honor and inheritances. Wisdom is connected with God's creation of all things, and it emphasizes the eternal generation of wisdom from the Father. That's chapter 8, verses 22 to 26. The Christian will recognize that Solomon is really describing 
the second person of the Trinity. Indeed, this is also the New Testament understanding. Christ is clearly identified as the wisdom of God in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 24 and 30. And he's also the power of God and the wisdom of God in 1 Corinthians 1. Paul plainly shows that he has the book of Proverbs in mind when he speaks in this way. Very, very important. Christ is the true wisdom that was pre-existent before history. That means before the world was created because he was active at the beginning of history in the creation. He is anchored in history from its very beginning. He is the goal of history. All things were created through him and for him, Colossians 1.16. And he physically entered earthly history in his incarnation. That is, he became a human being. In Paul's references to Christ as God's wisdom, he states, so that they may know the mystery of God, that is Christ, in whom is hidden all of the treasures of the wisdom and knowledge of God. That's Colossians 2, 2 to 3. Paul is not the only one in the New Testament to point to Christ as wisdom. It's also found in Matthew chapter 12 and Luke chapter 11. Wisdom in Proverbs 1 to 9, and especially in Proverbs 8, is by Solomon's own admission greater than Solomon is. In fact, it is by wisdom that Solomon reigns. Finally, if you'll remember in Matthew eleven nineteen, when Jesus is accused of being a drunk and glutton, he once again identifies himself as wisdom. Therefore, when you read the book of Proverbs, the concept of wisdom is, number one, completely theocentric. That means it's God at the center of it. And it's Christocentric. It's referring to Jesus. Now, while wisdom is foremost an attribute of God in Proverbs, guess what? As you read the book of Proverbs and other parts of the Bible, wisdom becomes an attribute of believers. Now, unlike God, God's people do not fully possess wisdom, but through faith, they acquire righteousness, knowledge, and wisdom from Christ, which strengthens them. As God's people ponder his word, meditate upon his word, continue to hear and read his word, they grow in wisdom. 
I would make the point that the biggest board game in the world, you may not be aware of this, is the game of chess. 600 million people in the world play chess. And that occurred in the year that Bobby Fischer became chess champion playing against a Russian in Iceland. Now, there are degrees of expertise in the area of chess. Those who are really good with high levels of expertise often began doing chess games when they were six, seven, or eight years old. And it takes a long time before somebody can become a grandmaster because it's almost unbelievable how many possible moves there are in a chess game. It's, you take the word one, and you put 40 zeros behind it, that's how many possible moves are present when you play the game of chess. And, and that's why the greatest grandmasters can also lose, either because they make a mistake in how they move the pieces, etc. But I've been thinking a lot about how God's wisdom is like a chess game. You begin as a child knowing, well, there's rules that are in the family, and then you begin to understand why those rules are necessary. And as you understand that, when you become a parent, you also have certain rules in the family. And knowledge to the children is often a form of discipline in the sense that your children are all sinners and they need to be swayed away from making wrong moves in life. Because as in a chess game, when you make a error in moving, guess what? Your king can be captured and you lose the game. Similarly, that's the goal of Satan, to capture you as he did with Adam and Eve. Remember the lie he told them? No, no, no. If you eat from the tree of knowledge, guess what? You will have wisdom like God has, knowing the difference between good and evil. The devil always points to our seeming ability to think better than God. And that's why you and I sin. The center of sin, if you spell it, is the word, is the letter I. We put me in front of God. I become more wise than God. And that's why a believer who has wisdom grieves over what he is doing against Jesus Christ. It's like nailing Jesus back on the cross. So wisdom is more than just instructional knowledge of knowing the commandments, how to live. A lot of people do that at work. For example, they may not even like the boss that they have, 
but they're polite to him. Uh, they compliment him. Oh, you're doing a great job, etc. And they're doing these things, some people, not all, in order to get a promotion so that the boss thinks more highly of them. That is not wisdom, but it's using the thinking of Satan to try and get what you want. Proper wisdom would be thankful to God that you have a job and that you do the best you can, not in order to impress the boss, but to thank God for what he has given you. That's the difference between law and gospel. Under the law, when people obey the law, they also often have an ulterior motive in doing so. Namely, what? To impress other people, to make themselves look good, and so forth. But in true wisdom, you don't have ulterior motives. You instead do it out of thankfulness to God. So you still do good works, but it's done on the basis of your acquiring of wisdom from Holy Scripture. Because wisdom gives you an understanding of how God thinks, how God works, and how things will happen in your life. You will be blessed if you follow wisdom. You will be cursed if you don't. And that scene where many people no longer believe the word of God and they're following the wrong ways of wisdom. So I wanted to take some time, and we may continue with this next week, talking about wisdom and explaining how it's used in the book of Solomon, namely Proverbs. And that's going to be helpful for us because we're going to learn that wisdom is more than just knowledge. It becomes the ability to apply what you know. So, thanks for listening to today. We'll continue this conversation next Wednesday. And tomorrow, we'll be taking a look at an item that is very, very good. It appeared in The Reporter, the official magazine of the Lutherans. Till then, God bless you. Listen to Law & Gospel each weekday morning at 9.30 on KFUO. For a tax-deductible gift to Law & Gospel, please make your checkout to Law & Gospel and mail to Law & Gospel P.O. Box 28910, St. Louis, Missouri, 63132, or call toll-free 1-877-267-1962. Views and opinions expressed on Worldwide KFUO may not represent the official position of the management or ownership of KFUO, the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. If you'd like to comment on programs or topics heard on Worldwide KFUO, write us at KFUO, 1333 South Kirkwood Road, St. Louis, Missouri, 63122. You can also leave a question or comment on our comment line at 314-996-1542. We are the messenger of good news, Worldwide KFUO.